hello and welcome to another episode of The Lives and Styles of Old Hollywood. Today, I want to talk to you about Norma Talmadge. She was one of the most elegant and glamorous film stars of the 1920s. She was born on May 2nd in 1894 in New Jersey, so she actually already lived where the new movie industry was starting. She had two younger siblings, who were called Natalie and Constance, who both became actresses as well. The family was really poor, and their father, one morning when going out to buy food, simply didn't come back, and thus left the mother to raise three daughters all by herself. The mother took in laundry, taught painting classes, rented out rooms, and sold cosmetics to raise her daughters. Norma actually had the idea to pose for illustrated song slides that would be shown in the movie theaters before the movie, so the audience could sing along. She was so beautiful in those that the mother decided to get her daughter into the movies. So it was Mother Talmadge that pushed her daughters into the movie industry. Not like in the case of Tallulah Bankhead, when it is the will of the kid against social norms and the family will. So Norma Talmadge started with Vitacraft Studios, located in New York. Betta Braille. I don't know if I pronounced that name correct. If you know how to pronounce it, please let me know. So, Betta Broil, a script editor for various companies at that time, was taken by Talmadge's beauty and took her under her wings. Thanks to her, Talmadge got bit parts in several movies and eventually got on the payroll with a steady stream of work. Her roles got always bigger, her acting always better, and she soon was Vitacraft's most promising young actress. And she stayed with the company for five years – during which she acted in over 250 films, making over 50 movies a year. Her last film at Vitacraft was also her biggest success. It was the anti-German propagandist drama The Battle Cry of Peace. After Vitacraft, Talmadge got a contract with the National Pictures Company in Hollywood for eight features at $400 a week, which equals about $12,000 a week today. But in case you have never heard about the National Pictures Company, well, the small studio shut down after one movie with Talmadge, which was badly and cheaply produced. So there they were, the Talmadges, in LA without money or contract. So Talmadge went to D.W. Griffith, who supervised production at Triangle Film Production, and she got a contract, starring in seven movies within eight months. And just a little reminder, D.W. Griffith, we have heard about him in the last two episodes. He was the one who was vital in the success and in the career of both Mary Pickford and Lillian Gish. The contract with Triangle, though, was not renewed, and Talmadge went back to New York. And this is where she met Joseph M. Shank. He was so taken with Talmadge that he proposed marriage and a production studio for her immediately. And only two months later, they were married. Shortly after, the Norma Talmadge Film Corporation was founded. And that was a big success. Shank had promised Talmadge to make her the biggest star with the most lavish costumes, the grandest set designs and the best actors and directors he could find. So her movies were extravagant, and all women wanted to be her. Rich, extravagant, beautiful, and lavish. The studio corporation was something like a family operation, and Shank soon had a studio full of stars. On the ground level, the Norma Tomic Corporation was making dramas. 
the Constance Talmadge Corporation for Sophisticated Comedies, was located on the second floor, and Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle was on the top floor doing comic, but third sister Natalie was helping out. Eventually, the whole business relocated to Hollywood. Norma Tomich became one of the highest paid actresses of the 1920s, filming with the best directors and actors Hollywood had. Her film Secrets from 1924 was the absolute pinnacle of her success. She never gave a better performance and she never had better reviews. When Tomich filmed Camille in 1926, she fell in love with Gilbert Rowland and she asked Cenk for a divorce. He did not grant it. Why? Because he was a businessman and he did not want to let her go. He even cast Roland and her together for another three movies because they made money for United Artists, which now released her movies. We heard about United Artists in the episode of Mary Pickford. But United Artists had distribution problems and they eventually eroded her popularity at that time. And then, again, the talkies came along. Talmadge actually prepared diligently for the new medium and proved in her debut that she could do sound movies. But her next movie about Madame du Barry proved too difficult for her voice acting abilities and was a complete failure. And if you listened to Theda Berra and Paula Negri, well, they did Madame du Barry also. So apparently the script is really great and the topic. I never saw any of those. Probably I have to start doing so. After the failure of Madame du Barry, Norma Tomich actually asked to be released from her contract and never again appeared on the screen. And when she quit acting, she decided to get rid of all the duties, which included signing autographs. She didn't do it anymore. She completely cut all cords with stardom and Hollywood. She just wanted to be a normal citizen, a normal person. And this also resulted in her being a bit brusque when people came up to her asking her for an autograph because she didn't give them anymore. Seven years after Talmadge had asked Cenk for a divorce, he finally granted it. But Talmadge did not marry Roland. As he was 11 years her junior, she feared that he would leave her eventually and she dumped him. Instead, she married Shank's best friend, George Chessel, but the marriage only lasted three years. Eventually, Talmadge and Shank bought together the Villa Riviera in Long Beach in 1937, which is a huge building with several housing units, so it was an investment because they were being business partners and Schenk was managing all her financial affairs despite the divorce. And that was just a very good business deal and investment deal. Norma Talmadge, even after stopping filming, was extremely wealthy and traveled a lot. During the end of her life, Norma Talmadge, like many of her peers, became more reclusive. Apparently, she was addicted to painkillers that caused arthritis, which asked for even more painkillers. And it is assumed that her painkiller addiction was the main reason for her attraction to Dr. Carvel James, a Beverly Hills physician that she married in 1946 when she was 52 years old. In 1957, when she was aged 64, Norma Tomich suffered a series of strokes and died of pneumonia on Christmas Eve. When it comes to Norma Tomich's 
influence on Hollywood and on culture. Apart from setting the scene for very lavish productions, she is actually the one which is credited for creating the tradition of stamping a hand or a foot in concrete in Hollywood. Because one of the theories in existence is that Norma Tomic accidentally stepped into wet concrete in front of Croman's Chinese Theatre in 1927. And that started the tradition that stars would get their hands and feet printed in cement in Hollywood. So that is really something that lives on till today. In 1956, which was one year before she died, Norma Tomic was voted one of the top five female stars of the pre-1925 era. So she really is an important part of the silent film era in Hollywood and of the film history of American cinema. I hope you learned something new about her and about Hollywood today. And I would love to talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.